Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick an experienced, licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com forward slash boom. And to show your support for this podcast, use code boom to get $30 off your first month. That's boom. Talkspace.com slash boom. B-O-O-M. On today's show, we look back at a big, 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 big road win for the Hornets in Dallas. And Clifford does it again. We'll profile one of his reclamation projects, one Hornet playing very well. We talk more Hornets before 9 a.m. than most people do all day. You are Locked On Hornets. You are Locked On Locked On Locked On Hornets, your daily Charlotte Hornets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Hornets. It's Hornets Talk for the hardcore fan. Today's episode is brought to you by BetDSI.com, the fun and safe place to bet online. We're coming to you from the Gittimer.com studios in BEA, beautiful Uptown Charlotte. I'm Doug Branson, joined by the man, the myth, the legend, David Walker. Doug, what's up, my man? Oh, nothing. Just enjoying this uh, beautiful Tuesday And this is going to be kind of a short show because I've got to get ready for tonight. Locked on Hornets Live on YouTube. David, you'll be joining me. Justin Thomas from ESPN Charlotte. The fans out there will get a chance to see us live in studio. YouTube.com forward slash Locked on Hornets. If you haven't subscribed yet, do it now. Should be a fun time. Come. Don't just watch it, though. Get on get on YouTube and chat with us. That's that's really what yeah, that's what really makes the show is is the conversation between us and and the people that are that are watching. So definitely uh, do, do that. Yeah, talk to us. We want to hear. All right, let's head head down to Dallas. I'm not going to say the big D, David, because that's what everyone says. Oh, damn it, I just said it. Okay, the Hornets taking on the Mavericks, going back on the road where they have been more comfortable this season than at home. It was more of the same on offense for the Hornets. A balanced attack led by Kemba Walker, who had 19 points on 8 of 15 shooting. No three-pointers for Kemba. That's a rarity. But the Hornets as a team were not shooting the ball very well from beyond the arc. They finished this one 3 of 18. Dallas lost center Andrew Bogut in the first quarter to injury. That was huge for this game. And the curse of our pregame report continues for Andrew Bogut and Dallas fans. Our apologies. We're going to stop We're going to stop mentioning him, uh, especially since the Hornets and Dallas don't play again. The Mavericks played tough defense and got huge production on offense from Harrison Barnes. He finished with 29 points and 7 rebounds. The Hornets come back from down 10 in the third quarter and stave off a late Mavericks rally to avoid the losing streak. A lot of that had to do with Jeremy Lamb's clutch three-pointer late. Lamb got plenty of run. Here's Lamb on how the guys battle back through adversity. Oh, we just continue to encourage each other. Just say, you know, stay together. They're going to make their run. Now it's time to make our run. And, um, you know, we, we just we just kept saying, let's get some stops and run. Let's get some stops and run. That's what it's going to start with. And uh, we was able to put some stops together. Um, get some good um, offensive possessions and they would uh, come back. Really good game from Jeremy Lamb overall. Five of ten from the field. Again, he gets 21 minutes in this one. 14 points, uh, five rebounds, three assists as well. Something that Jeremy Lamb has not done a lot of, distributing the basketball. He had it locked in last night. David, uh, th- what are your thoughts on this game overall? 
Oh my God, Doug. I mean, <laughs> my thoughts are uh, a big exhale once they finally were able to put that lead, you know, put that game to bed, which wasn't until that land three pointer. And what you really liked about it, Doug, was he missed one, you know, on the on the previous possession, right? They drew up a play for him out of the timeout, or they drew up a play and it went to him out of the timeout, wide open corner three, and it came up a little bit short. Cody Zeller with a big time block on Darren Williams uh, on the Mavericks last, you know, real possession to keep him in it. And then Lamb hits a deep, deep three. Remind me of that Andrew Wiggins three, not to bring up bad memories, but I mean, yeah. So you like to see that, right? I mean, they went, they went back to him. Uh, the ball swung his way and then he wasn't afraid to pull the trigger, but uh, you know, some good things out of this game. I mean, scoring continues to be <laughs> continues to be not a huge issue for the Hornets. The three pointers were oddly off, as you mentioned. Um, thanks to Marco, they finally hit a few there that get them off the schneid in, in that category. But man, I mean, a, a totally different Mavs team. It, it really felt like, right? I mean, you said they play much better at home. They were much more aggressive. Uh, Harrison Barnes was was a big key to that. I thought he was really good last night. And Dwight Powell as well, getting 15 points, yeah. not yeah. really off the bench because he had to come in for Andrew Bogut. But yeah, they play, you know, the Hornets tried to push the pace early. And and that was a good call because the Hornets or the Mavericks play the slowest pace in the league. So you want to make them a little more uncomfortable and not let their defense get set. It worked early, but then the the Mavericks just started to respond. And again, yeah, Harrison Barnes, Wesley Matthews got locked in. He was one of 11 in that last game from three and this one, four of nine. So they were getting more production uh, from Wesley Matthews as well. And so, yeah, I mean, you, you saw a different uh, inspired Mavericks team. And we tried to say that, that this Mavericks team, they haven't been playing well, but you know, they haven't given up on the season either. So it's, it's still early for the Mavericks as they wait for uh, Dirk Nowitzki to get back. But if I told you, David, that the Hornets shot 16% from beyond the arc and scored 109 points, you'd call me crazy. But a lot of it had to do with free throw shooting, uh, something that the Hornets have not been very good at this season. And uh, Clifford has called it out. Several players have called it out as something that has cost them games. And they were 26 of 28 from the free throw line. Something happened in that day off. I mean, guys just, you know, d- decided, okay, we got to focus in. Maybe they, maybe they took a, a few more in practice. I don't know. But uh, 26 of 28 from the line because the Hornets have not had trouble getting to the free throw line. That's a, that's a big focus of their offense. And when they were not hitting them, when, you know, when they were, were, when they were going one of two from the line, then it was, it was really hurting the team. But, uh, instead, uh, it, it really uh, anchored their offense because, again, they, they were not shooting well from beyond the arc. Also, David, I thought the team really got the message that Steve Clifford was sending about physicality. They, they out-rebound uh, the Mavericks 55-35. to 35. I mean, that's huge. A 20-rebounding advantage. And Batum and MKG, right, the wing... Uh, the wing guys there, I think, had 10 and 15 apiece, or each, I should say. Or one of them had 10, one of them had 15. Yeah, so Kit Gilchrist had 12. Nick Batum had 15 to go along with 14 points and 7 assists. Batum, not, again, struggling to shoot, not scoring as much as I think people would like, 0 of 6 from beyond the arc. But he was finding other ways to contribute in a major way. Yeah, and that's what he said after the game. That's why they brought me here. 
you know, not shooting that well, but I know where guys like the ball. I know where Kimba likes the ball. I know where Cody likes the ball. He and Cody, especially, we talked about that before, you know, their play on the pick and roll is really nice. They've got some good chemistry. So I know everyone, I know you guys out there would like to see him score 20, 18 points a game. I mean, I just don't think it's, I, I don't think it's going to happen, um, you know, not anytime soon, but, Again, I think they've got to get that consistency from him on the defensive end as well. I mean, there's still a few lapses in there, a few kind of silly plays. I thought the offensive uh, foul he got on post, trying to post up Wesley Matthews was unnecessary late in that game. Um, but 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 he kept them in there. I mean, he, he made some nice plays. The rebounding was huge, like you said. Um, I was a little concerned about the amount of three-point shots the Mavericks were able to get up on the Hornets, Doug. I mean, 36 in that game. And most of them, I mean, I'd say at least half of them, just based off memory, were really good looks, really good looks, especially later in that game. They had some that they missed that could have really changed the outcome of this game, and and some of them were wide open. I mean, was that something that you were keeping track of during the game? Because every time one went up, I mean, I was exasperated. Well, it's something I think that the Hornets are keeping track of. They're they're uh, one of the top teams in the league in terms of allowing teams to shoot three-pointers. And now to recognize that the Mavericks really didn't have any other offensive option other than the Harrison Barnes uh, shoot it from the baseline mid-range jumper or back down turnaround or moving the ball around, driving and kicking for three. I mean, that's really all they have. So, you know, if you're playing another team that has a second or third offensive option other than to hoist up a three-point shot, and they still get, you know, 30-plus three-point attempts, then you have to be concerned. With this game, I'm not as concerned. Uh, but we're going to talk yeah. – go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I, I, some of the some of the rotations on defense are probably the more concerning thing, right? The reason why these things are wide open. Well, and I'll tell you, in this particular game, there was I think there was a reason for that. I want to get to that in a second. But first, uh, remember, David, when we talked about the Vegas over and under odds on NBA teams? Sure. And we thought sure. the Hornets were really being – underestimated. And I have a feeling that people out there listening right now, they felt the same way. I know you felt the same way because you know the Hornets, you know basketball. And I bet you were like me and said, I should put a bet down on that right now, but I don't even know where to start. Well, if you're ready to get into the action, you can with BetDSI.com. They've been in business for over 20 years. It's a safe place to bet. And I can tell you that because it's where I play now. BetDSI.com has a great basketball special for you. Sign up today and get $10 free to try their service. And they're offering a 100% bonus on your first deposit. That's free money. BetDSI has great customer service, and they pay out winnings fast and easy. There are hundreds of football and basketball wagers to choose from, and if you're into the UFC, they've got that too. BetDSI even has live in-game wagering on football, basketball, and other major sporting events. You can play virtually everything at BetDSI. Head over to BetDSI.com right now. That's BetDSI.com. And use our promo code Hornets10 to get your free wager and start banking some cash today. Okay, let's get back to this game. So, David, I promised that I would explain why some of those three-point shots were getting up, and I think a lot of it has to do with the late-game lineup that they went to. The Hornets were they were down 10 points in the third, needing answers, and uh, Clifford deciding to go with Kimball Walker, Nick Batum, Marco Bellinelli, 
Jeremy Lamb. Yes, that's four guards. I haven't gotten really to a forward yet. <laughs> and then Cody Zeller at center. And other people were taking notice. Mitch on Twitter asking, what do you think of this lineup? I kind of like it. Well, Mitch, I, I kind of liked it too because I think it gave them – you know, an offensive punch when they need it. It was something different when the, the game was really, it was sort of teeter-tottering on the edge of, of getting out of hand and in, into the hands of an energetic home team in the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, so they asked Clifford about this after the game as well. Let's take a listen to what he had to say about this uh, different lineup for the Hornets, an offensive lineup. You know, I just thought felt like, you know what, we're not stopping them. Mm-hmm. We weren't stopping them. So we gave up a little bit of organization, but we just played more played smaller we played more offensive players I mean that's if you go Kemba Nick Jeremy Lamb Marco with the center that's a lot of offense on the Mm -hmm. floor so and those guys they were fighting hard defensively so we stayed with it and they were fighting hard defensively David but they had to do a lot to keep the ball out of the paint so I think you know the Hornets already sort of have this defensive mentality of uh, sagging down, doubling to keep the ball out of the middle of the court, and that's what allows some teams that may not normally get up three-point shots to get more three-point shots against the Hornets. But then when you combine that with a size disadvantage, then I think that could explain some of the issues that they had last night in particular. But I do agree that it has been an issue for the Hornets, and they're ha- they'll have to continue to look at it. But as long as the offense is humming along as well as it has, it's it's less of an issue. Sure. Yeah, it's less of an issue. I think that some of those threes also came when you had guys like Roy Hibbert in a pick and roll, and he just can't get out. You know, he he's can't if there's a switch or anything like that, um, and, and and somebody's late, he can't get out there to defend anything. But I thought he did have some nice moments actually in the paint, um, changing some shots and being a big presence down low. Did you like what you saw after kind of the bumpy start from Roy Hibbert? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think he's still. You know, it's weird, right? Because, you know, he had such mm-hmm. an amazing first game and then he goes out with the injury and they have to work him back in so slowly. And and Clifford has mentioned this in post games before. They're still trying to figure out where exactly yeah. he fits and, yeah. and when you can play him. Because honestly, I mean, you know, we're seeing it more and more, David, more, more centers who can shoot threes. Uh, and, you know, more centers that are going to draw you outside of the paint. And... I don't know. I mean, I don't know if Roy Hibbert, to his credit, he's trying to produce more offensively because you got to balance out these issues. You know, if you've got issues, mm-hmm. you know, defending the pick and roll or moving out to the three point line, then you have to counterbalance that with some kind of offensive production. And he certainly has the size to do that. Um, and, you know, we'll have to see if that develops because, again, somebody asked me, I believe it was uh, when I was on ESPN Charlotte about, you know, why why Roy Hibbert? Why continue to try to, you know, make something? <laughs> no, well, in the sense that, like, you know, he does right. have these issues on defense. Why continue? Why Why does he, why does Clifford bring him up in post games? Why is he a focus? And I really think it's because of his size. I mean, he provides one of the few uh, physical mismatches that the Hornets, yep. that the Hornets have. The Hornets have a lot of skill. Um, and and the, the Hornets have a lot of speed, but they don't have a lot of, well, the, the buzzword of, of the past couple of days, physicality. Well, Roy mm-hmm. Hibbert's a guy that is physical just by his very nature. Watch him set those high pick and roll screens. I mean, he devastates guys on screens and opens up a ton of space for Kimball Walker on offense because of those screens. And 
he has the ability to roll down into the paint, you know, raise his hand high up in the air and catch, you know, catch a roll that other centers aren't able to catch. So he can do things and he 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 provides the Hornets with that mismatch opportunity. But, you know, if he's not producing offensively, it's 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 going to be a struggle to keep him on the floor. I, that that's that's for certain. It, it feels like such a niche that he's filling, right? I mean, when he's, I, I still think it, the best, the biggest thing he brings to that team, like you said, is the size down low, and that's where he was really effective last night because Powell was having a pretty good game, and that guy's really athletic, a lot more athletic than than Roy Hibbert. But when you go up against Roy Hibbert, who's huge down there. You can't get around that height. I mean, you can't, you can't, uh, it's hard to get over him. So I think that's where he was good last night. That's where I think he can be good. It really did feel like that, though. Uh, about midway through that game, they're still trying to figure out exactly the best place to have him and the best moments to have him in the game. Uh, but I mean, you know, to his credit, <laughs> he did, he had a couple elbow jumpers that are terrifying when they go up, but, um, it, it's interesting. I can understand from an, like an outside perspective because um, it doesn't fit. I mean, you're right. The, the way the game's going in the center position, like, I mean, gosh, it just it's going away from guys like Roy Hibbert. So it'll be interesting to watch this reclamation project. I think, right? It's it's not exactly skyrocketing the way some of them did last year when Jeremy Lin, especially, comes to mind. Um, so that'll be interesting to watch. But I, I think they're trying to find ways to make him be effective. So the Roy Hibbert reclamation project, we'll put an incomplete by that right now, yeah, big question sure. mark. But I think you can you can already start to see the reclamation of Marco Bellinelli. Oh. Uh, last night, five of nine from the field, uh, hit two, uh, two tough three-pointers. Again, when they were down 10 in that third quarter, he had the three uh, to, to end the third quarter. Well, then MKG had three the hard way. And then coming out of the fourth quarter, coming right into the fourth quarter, Marco hits another big three and gets the Hornets back into things. Uh, he finished the game with 16 points and six rebounds as well to go along with two assists. But let me read you some numbers here. So Marco, we know about last season. We've talked extensively about the struggles that he had in Sacramento. He's gone from 30.6% from beyond the arc to 44.6%. That's a career high. Field goal percentage overall, 38.6% last season to 44%. His usage has gone down, which was a big thing for me in the offseason. I said, you know, I thought he was just too big a factor in Sacramento's offense. I said, if you can get the usage down and, and you don't have to depend on him to create offense, then, then I think he can be a more effective player. So 17.5, a career low. He's doing much more off of catch and shoot, which I think he's, you know, the, the less Marco dribbles, especially around the perimeter, the better off the better off he is. His defensive box plus minus, minus 2.9 last season in Sacramento. Sacramento not known for their defense last year. Uh, that was a career low for him. Now it's down to minus 0.9. So he's still a slight minus on defense, but I mean, he's shaved two, two points off. That's, that's really good. Mm-hmm. And then his rebound yeah. and assist numbers are approaching uh, his time in, Sa- in, in San Antonio, which was the goal. Get Marco somewhere near San Antonio numbers. And so far, the Hornets have, have found a way to do that. Yeah, I mean, I think you have to like what you've seen from from Marco. Um, you and know, three point percentage. Is, yeah, they, exactly. And we talked about Lynn. You know, the the offensive punch that he gave them from that point guard position. 
and it really seems like Marco's that guy. Now you've had um, Lamb, obviously, and you've had Kaminsky had his moments, but it feels like Marco is that guy they look to, especially when the three ball is just not going out for anybody, and that's that's how it was last night. And so he's among the league leaders in three point percentage. I believe he's still up there. So uh, I think that's a great win. I mean, a great win for for the Hornets and that you know that draft pick. It was it was uh, it was not met with a lot of excitement <laughs> right when it right when it happened so i think that that's another good move uh by those guys and marco's been nice i mean i think he's been he's played really well i can't remember a lot of times where it's just been you know take away the backdoor cuts uh that's still gonna happen every once in a while but you're getting the offense you wanted to from him yeah absolutely and and here's a little perspective the hornets are 12 and 9 i know that wasn't exactly the kind of win you wanted to see from the Hornets against the Dallas Mavericks, it's not a not road a great win. team on the record. It is another road win, six and three on the road. Uh, that is, I believe, a first time the Hornets have gone six and three to start the season on the road since two thousand two thousand and one. So they're fourth in the Eastern Conference. They are two and a half games up on the Atlanta Hawks in the Southeast Division. So. I think things are again. Things are going okay, and they're doing the things they need to do. and And we'll see if they can respond and and play better against better competition because that's coming up. Cleveland, Indiana, uh, Washington, which they haven't played. They've kind of played up and down this this season. They've got Boston ahead as well. So you know, we'll 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 see. We'll see if they can take some of these less. It seems like the messages are starting to translate now. You're seeing the free throw shooting improve. You're seeing the physicality improve. Can they keep it going? Can the message that Steve Clifford is trying to send translate? That's going to be a big key. All right, the Hornets' next game is Wednesday night in Charlotte versus the Detroit Pistons. It will be a good test, a rematch of a late November matchup that the Hornets lost one twelve to eighty nine. An embarrassing loss for the Hornets. The Pistons were without starting point guard Reggie Jackson in that one. Now the Pistons have him back. They're working him back in, though. We'll have to see what kind of minutes he gets to play. And we're, we're going to have a preview of that game tonight on Locked On Hornets Live, youtube.com forward slash Locked On Hornets. Come join. It's a fun time. Again, chat on YouTube as well. Send us your questions and your thoughts because that really, uh, really, really makes the show. That's all, the ha- that's all the time we have for this edition of Locked On Hornets here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets and subscribe to us on iTunes to get every single one of these episodes delivered to your mobile device or computer. For David, I'm Doug. Go Hornets. Go America. Let's swarm Charlotte. So what if I like to stay up late and watch TV? Don't blame it on.